Hey everyone, welcome back to Christmas in July on every version ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today we're looking at another Christmas Carol adaptation, this time from 1984. This is one of the most widely respected and well-loved versions, but up until this original review, I'd never actually seen it. I'd heard about it many times over the years. This is the version that my cousins grew up with, so they probably made reference to it, like, every Christmas. But somehow, I never got around to seeing it. But once we sat down to do this episode, I wondered why it had taken me so long. It's really good. And actually, it's probably even better than I make it out to be in this review. We recorded this at the end of 2018, so I've had some time since then to reflect on it. I've had time to rewatch it since then, and yeah, it's worth the hype. I feel like when we recorded back then, I might have undersold how good it is. So, I kind of felt like I needed to state that up front before we get into my thoughts from a year and a half ago. Either way, I still really enjoyed my discussion about it with Sarah, and I thought it needed to be included in this podcast. We're recording this on Christmas Eve, the day before Christmas, yes. because that's how long it's taken us to actually get this recorded. We watched this like two weeks ago, I think. Yeah, those things just haven't <laughs> really gone to plan. Yeah. But we're bringing it to you now. Yes. Just in time to tell you not to watch this version. <laughs> Well, depending on how you feel about it. Yeah. I liked this version. I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites, but I liked how faithful they were to the source material. What is your favorite? Muppets. (laughs) (laughs) Your loyalty lies with the puppets. Yes. Okay. For some reason, I just... I grew up with this version, and I got it in my brain that I wanted him to see it. I was hearing him talk about these other versions, and this one is pretty accurate to the book. Um, They made him even crustier than the Scrooge in the book, which I find rather enjoyable. I feel like they did a lot of work to make it period correct like with the hairstyling and everything correct me if i'm wrong but really they they really they really did a good job that being said this movie creeped me out growing up and it almost feels like a mistake that i watched it again at my age now i thought maybe i would be less creeped out I am maybe just as much or more creeped out. That was not... That was not nice. I didn't find it that creepy. I thought the 2009 Disney version was creepier See, than this one. and that one didn't really... That didn't really stick with me. <laughs> so, I, ha- I had forgotten that I even watched it. That was how little that bothered me. I mean, I don't... It wasn't my absolute favorite when I watched it. I didn't love everything about it. But you were you were genuinely disturbed. Yeah, that one scene, we mentioned it in the review with Soul. The the jaw. If you've seen this, the movie, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not putting in a clip. <laughs> yeah, he has a, a thing with gross gaping mouths, I think. And apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I did, if I didn't before, I do now. <laughs> But this one came out in 84, I believe, Mm -hmm. and George C. Scott just did a wonderful job. They really helped to show what happens in his life. It's, um, aside from the gross, creepy stuff, it's a beautiful version, you know, Mm -hmm. to watch. Yeah, cinematography, if that's even a word, (laughs) 
the cinematography in this movie is amazing. It's shot beautifully. Just every scene is just perfect. And it's not cheesy. No, not at all. It really, it's one that you can carry with you and have it make you think. That being said, if you are a very sensitive person who has things with dark cloaked figures and emaciated children, don't watch (laughs) this. And I don't recommend this version for children, even though I grew up watching it. Because, I mean... It scarred her for life. (laughs) Can you imagine showing this one to like a (laughs) seven-year-old? No. I would would show them the Muppets instead. And I don't even know what all was happening in the squalor when he got transported there. That was not a good place to be. They have the classic, you know, cackling drunk woman. What did she say? That is another one. What is it? What did she say? Pour us a swig, Charlie. (laughs) Something. (laughs) Or give us a swig. I don't know. It's uh, It was... It it's it's dark. I like at the end how they have they change him into a red waistcoat. <laughs> That's maybe neither here nor there. Fred was a really good character in this version. I would say like all the actors in this version were very good. Maybe the children weren't as good as the adults, but they were fine. I, yeah. One of the things that stuck out to me most was Tiny Tim's makeup. <laughs> they were communicating that he was sickly, but to him, it was like Tiny Tim had a smoky eye throughout this whole film. <laughs> they were just trying to communicate that he was not well. And I don't... They made it obvious, but I don't think it's totally over the top. And and they made him innocent, but I don't feel like they made him totally hammy. Mm-hmm. In his goodness, they just made him a really nice child, mm-hmm. which also makes you think. And I don't feel like they overdid or underdid either the part of the story with Fred or with the Cratchits, which the ra- the ratio can be off in yeah, other versions definitely. where they're focusing too much on one, not enough on the other. What What are your feelings on the other ghosts? Besides the one that terrified you as a small child. The first ghost creeps my mother out, but (laughs) I don't mind her. I think she's nice. And I think the way they go back into his childhood is really good. It's not totally accurate to the book because in the book, he's actually really upset about his childhood. And in this version, he's like... I had my books, I had my imagination, I was good. It's more of a happy, aside from, and then, but when you transition into his relationship with his father, then that's very gloomy. The middle ghost, I love how, the ghost of Christmas present, I love how jolly he is. I love his laugh, I, it's one of the more humorous parts of the story, when you have those interactions mm-hmm. between him and Scrooge. But it gets super dark because he's the ghost that transports him to some random location, not really random, to some dark location where you see this family struggling in poverty and it's very moving. And 
then you find out that he has creepy metaphorical children living under his robe in rags named ignorance and want and oh my goodness <laughs> that's just oh i don't know who they got to play those kids but they did a really good job at least in makeup they did a really good job i don't think you know these children weren't unhealthy but they made them up to look really unhealthy mm-hmm. and they didn't bother me at all but they really bother me I, oh my I, goodness. This is another part where I think the 2009 version was more disturbing than this version. The 2009 version of Ignorance and Want irritated me. They had them like growing up in front of Scrooge into what they would become, mm-hmm. which makes sense, but it just it grated on me when in that version. And then and like I say I forgot that I'd even watched the movie. I'd have forgotten that I'd even Yeah. It, yeah, the 2009 version we're not reviewing it now, but it was, it's kind of forgettable in that way. Like, I had forgotten most of it when I watched it again to review with Soul. And I'm, I think I'm forgetting parts of it now. It's just, it's not very memorable. But but the jaw will stay with you. <laughs> yes. For maybe the next five months until you manage to block it out with better content. But yeah, it, the the children in this version, I thought they were fine. I, I'm not really sure why they bothered Sarah so much, but she is a lot more sensitive about certain things, and I guess this is one of those things. It's one of those things. uh, I've grown up, like, watching and reading about World War II, so seeing emaciated bodies, living Mm. and dead, uh, grow up with Gollum, which is his own fun character. (laughs) Um, So... I don't know. You maybe, just have a thing with emaciation. <laughs> maybe it kicks against everything that I would want to nurture and protect. Mm. I don't know. Could be. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's the thing of that. It's just so horribly wrong to see the weaker, you know, women, women and children in that type of position. Mm. I don't know. Either way, it's super wrong, and it's very creepy. But anyway, we need to move on. <laughs> that's it. And that's not even a good blooper. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you transition into the Ghost of Christmas Future, which also looks like an emaciated being. <laughs> Because all you have is this little scraggly bony hand sticking out. You And that's another thing. You can't see its face. It's big. Not that he would... It wouldn't even have to be big. But the big thing doesn't help. What was number one? <laughs> you can't see its face. It's big. It's black. It's bony. Whatever is under there... It, it's not... Charlton Heston. I'm trying to think of okay. Uh who's Sutland? Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Dana Andrews. Depending on whether you're an old movie person or a new movie person. <laughs> it's whatever is under there does not look good. And if they weren't telling you that it had good intentions for him. It would not look like anything that had any sort of good intentions for anybody. 
and we're supposed to like this. I don't think so. Well, and it was meant to terrify him, so I think it did a good job in being terrifying. And what he says is, I fear you. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I wet myself. I cannot speak. I cannot, I'm going to die now. Anyway, um, yeah, if you were alone with that. Uh, yeah. I was screeching, want a ship handy? <laughs> um, anyway. So, now that we know all the things that terrified you about this movie, you, you talk like you do like some parts of it. So, like, what are your favorite parts? <laughs> <laughs> or are you too focused on all the emaciated children and bony hands? <laughs> I... I like the wa- the warmth and the horror, <laughs> but the warmth of it. <laughs> um, I like the warm moral overtones. I like the storytelling. I like the historically accurate style of it, but especially what's lovable about this is the wit and the depth the stories that they tell of people's struggles and how we ought to love others and how they re- they have all of these wonderful messages throughout the movie and it's a very empathetic story i also enjoy the music Mm-hmm. But they do, with different characters, show you how different people are having compassion or struggling, and their their stories, and it's really good that way. And what did you like? I think my favorite thing was the acting and the cinematography. Just, the movie was so well made and just beautiful. It's... It's one that I think has become like a classic. I was just telling her that I have a co-worker who we weren't even talking about me doing this. Like, I don't think she even knows I have a YouTube channel. She was just talking about her favorite Christmas carols. And I think she mentioned this particular one as her favorite version. So this one, it has a lot of fans. It's one, it's very close to the source material and it's just so well made. It's, it's yes. not surprising that so many people really love this one. It has a lot of heart. Mm-hmm. Very good British film. Yeah, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's probably not one that I like as much as The Muppets, of course, which is my favorite. But I would say it's way up there on my list. It also starts with that great narration. And it, if you pay attention to the voice, it sounds like Fred's voice narrating it. Hmm. It probably is. Old Marley was dead. And pay attention to the tune that Scrooge's watch plays and how that's repeated with the carolers and at the end of the movie. It has these lyrics that weave right into the story, which is also a fun detail. Yeah. 
the the wit in it helps to break it up. There's there's practically creepiness from beginning to end, interwoven with the depth and the beauty and the wit. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I prefer. If a movie is going to be scary, I'd rather they have some humor in it, there to break they, things they up. They do break it up frequently, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so beautiful, witty, deep, scary, pretty accurate to the book. Some people's favorite. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. Sarah will be back later in the month for the finale, but in the meantime, I have a brand new episode for you next time, this time with my friend Rachel Wagner. She actually suggested the topic for our next episode, a 2010 Doctor Who Christmas special, actually called and based on A Christmas Carol. It's very loosely based on it, but the major story beats are there. They're just given a very Doctor Who-y sci-fi twist. I'm really excited for this one, so we'll see you then for another episode of Every Version Ever.